Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Get Geek Podcast, where we celebrate geek, nerd, and pop culture. Each week, we deliver the best analysis for fans, by fans, on anything related to movies, TV, video games, comics, anime, and manga. We talk geek. And now, here's the Get Geek Podcast. Check one, two, what is this? So, if you need your checks to be checked, I recommend Checker's Choice, where your checks can live out to their fruit, check fruition of mixed checks. Okay, someone else go. Okay. Check, check. And, okay. Check. That was a lame check after yeah. that one. Super lame, super lame. Super lame. So after all that checking, um, Godzilla, Shin, today is the fourth anniversary of that movie? I mean, Wait, really? seriously? Yeah. That's pretty, wow, that's pretty cool. And they're coming out with uh, the new anime for Godzilla 2. It's called Godzilla Checkpoint or something like that. I need to look again. Hmm. Isn't it like something save or something like that? <laughs> no. I mean, no. Shin save God- the Earth. That that was a one-time thing. Save Godzilla Shin Godzilla is honestly the, the best Godzilla. Save and I know, and I know you were talking Earth. about like Zilla. Godzilla. He's what garbage. About Zilla? He's trash. He no. looks garbage. Right. Let me let me make sure I get here's this right. Here's the thing. Gonna... So that movie would have been a fine monster movie on its own. If it wasn't called Godzilla, because that was not Godzilla. Zilla looks trash. Zilla looks trash. Yeah, no, like, as far it as monsters, trash. He looks yeah. like a freaking iguana. Well, that's <laughs> I, that was that was the point singular of theirs. Point, by the way. Okay, a singular point. Okay, I knew it was something point. It was an S. Anyway, Iguana Godzilla. By the way, um, hello, this is the Get Geek Podcast. We were, we were just talking about Godzilla. We got carried away because um, AJ is a huge Godzilla fan, as you know. And like I said, it's the fourth anniversary. So, Wait. singular point. Yes, we're live. We're talking. Okay, okay, this is, okay. We're recording. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, before we continue with this Godzilla talk... I will just remind everybody to please, if you love this podcast, and I know that you do, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so you can continue loving this podcast. And normally we would say we're remorti- we're co- recording remotely, but today it's just me and the boys. Um, Jose and Gabe will not be joining us on this podcast. Uh, they'll be back next week. So we're not recording remotely so we shouldn't have any sound artifacts which we normally don't because we are so freaking awesome yeah at least we try to be wait watch us watch us watch us yeah yeah. it's gonna be a segue okay segue away speaking of the boys what are our our, what are our topics oh what are we talking about so then go tell us tell us more well 
I don't, I don't want to introduce the first topic because I want to introduce the third. We'll talk about all three topics. So we are going to be talking about Cinemax's season two of Warrior, which just came out and we were like, su- we're super excited about, right? Yes. And we are talking about Bly, the haunting of Bly Manor, not House Manor. House Manor. No, because we, we, when we first heard about the show, we were referring to it as Bly House, but it's Bly Manor. It's Bly Manor. Bly Where House is that Manor? on? That's on Netflix. Netflix. And finally, what Mr. Eli was alluding to. And segueing into, which was a nice segue, by the way. It was a little bit sloppy, but. It was a dope segue. Come on. The boys. What? The boys. Who? The boys. Oh, the boys. Okay. Is that too loud? You probably just broke like somebody's, um, you know, uh, eardrum. Rip to your ears, poor listener. But you were saying about Godzilla. Or should I say Zilla? Or should I say the Iguana? Right? It wasn't. Okay, look. It's not the best, but there are certainly crappier designs. It's trash. It is trash. It's trash. There's a reason why they call him Gino. Godzilla in name only, right? There is a reason. Shin Godzilla has the best design. I remember when we went to the when we went to um, that Godzilla fest, right? Back in what was it? That was two thousand and four in Chicago. Come Don't on. tell oh, me. Oh yes, we yeah. did go and see Godzilla: Final Wars there in its original Japanese uh, language. No subtitles, Ooh. no English version. We saw it. As pure as Americans can see a Godzilla film, right? Is that? Yep. Gino was in there, right? Oh, yes. Wait. What happened, that. what happened with Gino in that movie? Please, <sighs> for the people who don't know okay. Godzilla, so Andre is AJ is going to enlighten you right now. You're going to get to this once you finally reach this stage of your Godzilla watching. Wait, is but that? let me You preface. haven't seen Final Wars yet? I'm no, I'm pretty has, sure I have. Yes, I'm pretty like, sure we did. I have. But I've been taking him through a tour times. of the movies. Oh, so we're, so, going, we're going back. We're going retro. Yeah. So to preface, very, uh, I'll put it in terms you'll definitely understand. Will he? If Godzilla was Vegeta, no, 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 no. Better no, not a better no. Okay, let's go like this. <laughs> Wait a second, before we, got, before we before we hold up, we're we're so haphazard. We're so excited about Godzilla. We forgot to introduce ourselves. Yes, that's true. We wow, did, we're right? making a lot of mistakes. We are so we're we're excited to do this. Yeah, this podcast. But go ahead. I'm AJ, Eli, and I'm Walt. Continue with the Godzilla thing. <laughs> so, if Godzilla was going to be Vegeta, then Zilla was Yamcha in terms of getting wrecked. I think I remember that. Is that the one with the... If Godzilla, Godzilla, the The real, the actual Godzilla was Vegeta, then Zilla was Yamcha. That's (laughs) rough. Wait, but but isn't that the movie with, like, my boy Monster X? Yes, it is. Hey, he... He has the best design in Godzilla. Yeah, in, he is kind of cool. Yeah, he, he's awesome. He's cool. Although his name sucks. It's trash. It's like... Well, see, it's really an allusion to Monster Zero. It's like naming your show. But in order to not give away his final form, they called him Monster X. Yeah. 
It's so like it was like, a, wait, wait. hey, this guy seems kind of familiar. Do we know something about him? Now nah, wait, let's just see. And as as the show as the movie goes on. Oh yeah. Oh wait, that is an allusion to that. That's awesome. <laughs> but like naming a monster Monster X is like kind of like naming a show like Vampire Diaries or the originals. But see, Monster X is supposed to be the X Factor, the guy that you don't know, right? It actually also stands, well, I oh, happen I to think that it stands for the Exilians. Exilians? Yeah. yeah, I know. Ugh. That that too, but that's kind of corny. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Monster X is cool, but I'm still partial to the design of Kiryu. That is my favorite kaiju <laughs> slash robot slash Mecha Godzilla 3. Oh, I mean, I, I honestly have, like his design, too. His, we have his, the toy, the collectible, I'm sorry. Which Andre gave to me, broken. No, that's that's something different. I'm pretty sure that was the one that you gave yes, to me. Yes, that's Kiryu, but again, I was like five years old and didn't know anything about collectibles, so that watch it. Mistake. Don't buy your kids Should have kept it in the box. Yeah, don't, don't do that. Anyway. Um, how do we segue from Godzilla to Warrior? They're both it. warriors. Boom. Oh, okay. He got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's one way of doing it. <laughs> so, um, oh wow. All right. But anyway, we are, we're going to talk a little bit about my favorite show right now, I think. You know, well, I wouldn't say my favorite show, but it is definitely top two or three for me yeah and that's going to be Cinemax's Warrior okay so the show came out last year its first season right and it's based on the writings and teachings of Bruce Lee and it's also executive produced by Bruce Lee's daughter Shannon Lee and also Justin Lin, who is one of the producers, and I believe he actually directed some of the Fast and the Furious movies. Hmm. So, but the other point is that it's also um, created by Justin Troper, who did one of my other favorite shows on Cinemax, which is Banshee, which ties hmm. back to our third topic today, because Anthony Starr from Home from the boys, Homelander was in Banshee. He was the main character of Banshee. Yeah. Which it's like everything is connected. Everything's connected, right? Yeah. So, anyway, um, Warrior season one came out. It stars Andrew Koji, which we will be seeing soon in the G.I. Joe movie for Snake Eyes. He's going to be playing Storm Shadow. Mm. Storm um, Shadow. You also have Hoon Lee who is one of our favorite characters in the show because he was also in Banshee. He was the character that plays Job or Job. Oh, Job, Job, it's right? Job. It's Job. Yeah. And Joe Talzim is another one of the stars on the show. And we're going to be seeing him in a movie coming up pretty shortly, Mortal Kombat, and he's going to be playing the character of Sub-Zero. So there is some really, really hardcore martial arts street cred in this martial arts spaghetti western show. Hmm. So, 
Um, but just to give our viewers a little bit of backstory on what this show's about, Andrew Koji's character is the main star. He plays Assam, right? And mm-hmm. he comes over from China um, during... It's set in the late 1870s, and it happens in San Francisco, California. And at the time, the sentiment against you know Asian immigrants and probably immigrants in general was, let's just put it this way, not very good. Yeah. A lot of racist people. Yeah. Just, just to kind of put like a cherry on top, or not so much a cherry, to like encapsulate their whole disposition towards Chinese Americans. You had a little thing they were working on called the Exclusion Act, so, yeah. Yeah, that, that pretty yeah. much sucks. So, he comes to China in search of his sister, right? That's the yeah. whole point of it. But he kind of gets mixed into the politics and the whole, the whole thing about what Chinatown in San Francisco is. And eventually, he falls into one of these quote-unquote tongs, right? And so these tongs are, I guess, what you would call like, basically Chinese gangs, right? Yeah. And so you have separate gangs. And right now, the, the main gang, um, at least at the time that the show started, was the Hopway. Yeah. Right? And so he falls in with the Hopway, who was led by Father June, Father June right? And he's like this older... Um, gangster slash you know leader of the tongue and stuff like that and Assam befriends his son Young Jun and so you know they get close and stuff like that and there are other characters and uh, the the basis of the the show is that he does find his sister and it just turns out that his sister is actually um Assume the fake name, right? And she's part of the rival Tong. The Long Z. The Long Z that, um, you know, they're, the Hopway is fighting against. And so you have that whole thing. Eventually things happen. She rises to the top. She now becomes the leader of, him, of that, that Tong. Um, they're selling drugs. They're trying to cut a deal to try and get into the opium market and stuff like that. And. You know, madness ensues and, you know, heads are cut off and people get hatcheted, hatcheted to death and there's martial arts <laughs> and fights. And noses. Noses, noses get punched. We, we do see, we do see kind of like a, um, a call to um, Mortal Kombat with an x-ray shot, so to speak, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? That's yeah. The, the nose thing. So that's basically what Warrior is about. Season two has just come back in the last two two weeks, and so we're up to episode two. Um, and so, at the end of season one, can you guys let us know what happened? So, at the end of season one, uh, because they were trying to settle the dispute on who's going to be selling uh, opium, right? Yes. Yeah. So, what they did was, hey... Let's have a tournament. You pitch your best fighter against my best fighter, and that'll decide how we divvy up like the land that we cover. Very much like Bloodsport. Yeah. Yeah. And so you had Assam fight the Long Z's. Ooh, what's his Leong. name? Leong. 
who is Joe's Tal Sim, who yeah. is Sub Zero. So basically, you have Storm Shadow versus Sub Zero. It's <laughs> a hell of a fight. Yeah. Sub Zero won. And it looked like he was going to lose. Oh my gosh. It was. It's, that it, was a crazy fight. But long story short, Sub Zero wins. And Assam is kind of broken. And he's like. Do I even deserve to be a fighter anymore? I was the best. What, what am I doing with my life? And so it ends with him not only getting kicked out of the hop wave for losing, he goes to work in a factory um, owned by his lover's father, right? Yes. Penelope, yeah. Penelope, Penelope Blake. Yeah. Um, the dad. And oh, Ryan Mercer didn't even, is the the father. Yeah, and you didn't. We, <laughs> so we're talking about all these tongs. You can't forget the Irishman. Gosh, those guys are brutal. Because part of the whole "we want the Chinese gone" aspect uh, that they look into in the show is that they're per, they're they're viewed as stealing people's jobs, and this ticks off the Irishman. So they naturally come into conflict with these Chinese Americans. They're like if politicians who who supported um thro- um careful. Uh, uh, <laughs> moving you know, on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um and now I lost my train of thought. There's a lot going on in season 1. So yeah. you you were talking about the Irish. The yes, Irishmen. so the Irishmen go to attack Mercer Blake's Mercer's Mercer's yes yeah so Mercer Blake's factory. The Irishman is is led by that character Leary, who is like terrifying yes. and awesome at the same time, right? Yes, yeah. His, yeah. So they go to the factory to mess it up because originally Mercer hired um, Leary's Leary's man. people, but then because costs were too high or something like that uh, there was some weird politics going on with that where basically he was forced to use Chinese labor because they were quote unquote cheaper right. and this ticked off Leary so he said let's mess up the factory and their workers and what do you know Assam was working there at that time so what they thought was going to be an easy job was really not a massacre but they got their they got their bleeps handed to them. <laughs> and this actually prompts uh, Assam to rejoin the Hop Way, who Young Jun wanted him to come back in, but he was like, you guys kicked me out. Get out of here. And um, I'm pretty sure he, like, he starts to... Because re- Atoy... Um, oh, yes, and that's very important. Yeah. yeah, she kind of wants to... Um, so who's Atoy? She's... She's the the owner of like the uh, a brothel. A brothel. Yeah. Yeah, and um, so basically she wants to try. Her view on what's going on is like she wants to try and put an end to, I guess, the Chinese being like kicked out and treated badly. Subjugated. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So she she wants to put an end to that, and so Assam kind kind of like finally comes to the realization that. There is something you can do, and he kind of like joins Atoy on her on her quest. Quest. Yes. Yeah. 
And then at the very end, I believe Mercer dies because he has a heart attack because he couldn't handle like the the stress of it all. I guess. Yeah, it was during an attack uh, on the. Yeah, the on attack the, on the yeah, factory. The attack on the thing. There's yeah, a lot going on. The factory. And so Penelope steps up and assumes his business. Who is married to the mayor through an arranged marriage. Yeah. The mayor of San Francisco. And he is a piece of work also. But not as much as his advisor. (laughs) Keeping in the tradition of Banshee, right? Because you have, in Banshee, you have Kai, and then you have his quote-unquote advisor right-hand man which is also terrifying and and crazy at the same time right so it it seems like you know the showrunner likes his crazy side men on the side right yeah um yeah and it it basically ends with my ling his uh assam sister she's in power uh after killing uh, after killing Long Z, there's so much going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on in, in this yeah. series. You know, we haven't even mentioned the cops yet. <sighs> oh no. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, Myling rises to the head of the tongue because she's assassinated Long Z while blaming it on the Hopway. Found a way to do that. Um, the Long Z also. Um, they uh, affiliate themselves with the the quote unquote Mongols, right? Yes, they're called the Fungi. Yep. Mm. Which are which are also terrifying in that, unlike the Hopway and the Long Z, they have no morals. They have no code. They just you know. Just kill. Yeah. Eat, sleep, and kill. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Assam finds his, like Eli said, he finds his calling, so to speak, and he gets back into fighting again because after he got beaten, like he was really messed up. Especially so now we're into season two. Yes. Okay, so we're definitely into season two. Season one ended up with everybody kind of all along the way. Like I said, we haven't even talked about the cops yet. Yeah, and that's an know. interesting story too. Yeah, so there are two cops in this. There's one that's called Big Bill O'Hara, right? And he's... How, how would you describe him? Because in, in, in a way, he does seem like he has a... a he seems like he's, he wants to be a good guy. He's jaded. Right? But he's been in San yeah. Francisco for so long, and he's seen everything that's happened. And... I think he was at the point of close to retiring or something, or he was... Yeah, he was... Well, uh, remember, he was thrust into this role of, of policing Chinatown at the very yeah. beginning of season one, and he didn't want to do it at all because he knew it was going to be a crap job, yeah. right? So there's this, So the police are very biased, obviously, against Chinatown and against the Chinese Im- immigrants, yeah. you know? Um, and you have this guy who... Basically, he is the same way, and I think I think a big part of the reason, and again, a lot of the times with ignorance, is that you know you don't know the other side, right? You don't know the culture and stuff like that. And once you get to know them, then maybe some of that ignorance and some of that bias goes away, which did happen in season one in the jail scene with Assam. 
to right. a certain extent. So Assam is different from all the other um, onions, as they call them in the show, right? Yeah. Because he can actually speak the Queen's English, the Queen's language, right? Yep. He speaks English. He's one of the one of the very few. I think there's other two two characters. Atoy, um, and Wang Chan, which yeah. is which is Han, Han, uh, Hun Li's character. Yeah, the guy the guy that's shady that's always doing deals. That's Chow. 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 Yeah, yeah. Han, what, did, what did I say? Yeah, Wang Chow. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. So he seems. Going back to Big Bill, he seems like he's a guy that maybe deep down inside is is a good character, but like Eli said, he's jaded. Um, he's used to, or was that you, AJ? Yeah, that was AJ, AJ said it. He's jaded and um, he's kind of been beat down with the situation, and he, just like everybody else, sees the immigrants as an occupying an invading force in San Francisco. And then but he kind of changes in a way, but yeah. then he gets stuck in a in a really bad situation also. Um then we we also have the character Lee. Richard Lee. Richard Lee. He's the other cop that we follow. And the only good one. The only good one, the one that's not biased and is not racist whatsoever. But he has a a backstory that blew my mind yeah it's weird right so he's not native from san francisco he's actually coming from the south and when we see him there's all all these questions of why are you why are you here you don't you don't belong in san francisco you're a southern boy and he he always hits um, Big Bill with all these southern expressions that Big <laughs> Bill has like I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but um we find out that Lee is actually wait, what like he He had a girlfriend He had a girlfriend who was, but uh, black, right? Yeah. Yes. And then he and was he came from Georgia. Yeah. And then, wait, did he shoot? No, what happened was two of his cousins were, you know, they saw that he was going out with this girl, and they were like, dude, you're white. What, what are you doing? You know, typical racist nonsense. And so they actually end up killing her, and, then, and in an act of retribution, see. Lee says, yeah, you know what? You two are dying. And he, like, shoots him down. I loved her. What the hell? Bam, bam. Yeah. And... So now he's wanted for murder, and that explains why he's in San Francisco. But then... As a cop. Since, uh... Wait. I believe that... What's his face? Big Bill. He... Mm -hmm. He he was kind of, like... I really don't remember. He was kind of trying, like, find out more about Lee, so that the people, whoever was... They came in and they said that he was wanted for murder. Yeah, there was a, a bounty hunter, right? Yeah, a bounty hunter. Yeah, and still in season one, back again. <laughs> then season one is deep, and it's only eight episodes, which is crazy. <laughs> Wait, right? eight episodes? Yeah, it was only eight episodes. Yeah, but then the the table turns again. The t- the turns the turntables turn again. Oh, Twelve episodes. My bad. I mean the table, the tables turn again when Bill actually brings out people 
who kill the bounty hunters. Well, no, well, they no, got arrested. No, they got arrested. Yeah. And then it was very confusing because I I originally thought that Bill was actually going to turn in Lee to the yeah, bounty hunter. Like but it. then it turned out that they had the bounty hunter arrested. And then Lee is actually a bad person. Well, not necessarily from it it depends on your perspective. So, it was it was in that episode it was very very Crazy. Dramatic and suspenseful. Yeah. Windy and complicated. But and so anyway. Bill, Big Bill, gets into a problem because one of his vices is that he's a big, heavy gambler. Yeah. Right? Um, one of the things that this third tongue is involved in is gambling. Yep. So eventually what happens? The Fung Hai, the tongue who runs the gambling, say... Yeah, you know, we notice you're in debt, and you're a cop. You know, that can actually be used to our advantage. See, we need you to crack down on people like you who don't know when to stop and need to pay up. So, you know what we're going to have you do? You're going to be our, what would it be, hustler? Or what would be the term for that? I guess enforcer. Enforcer, yes. Debt collector? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they, that's basically what... Bill is reduced to. And at the same time, he's a cop. And, you know, that's even more so complicated. It's very oh. crazy. So that's season one in a very, very long nutshell. <laughs> and in a very short nutshell, but we'll elaborate on it, just a quick rundown of where all our characters are at. Assam, back in the hopway is not satisfied with the deal reached by the Long Z and the Hopway. So now he's breaking out with Young Jun to get in on the opium trade and try to mess with the Long Z's profession. My Ling is still as ruthless as ever and maybe still even worse, right? yeah, maybe even worse and is doing whatever it takes to, you know, I am the leader now, respect me. I'm going to, you know, displays of power, all that nice, not nice stuff. Um, Bill is still the debt collector. (laughs) Messing people up for, you know, where's the money? Or, you know, you're going to go see the White Mountain. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was a really cool thing. Um, Not Bill, Lee. Lee, who was injured in the previous season, is still practically his good self but the problem is because of the medication he's taking he's kind of getting addicted to drugs and that's making things a little you know a little swanky swanky yeah Yeah. um you also have penelope yes penelope who is still trying to run her father's business, despite the objections of the objections of the mayor, who her wants husband. her, yeah, who wants her to sell the thing because he wants her to be the submissive wife, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's also bad for his political career because he is saying that we should get rid of the Chinese immigrants, but, but she's yeah, hiring Chinese exactly. Immigrants. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have the mayor, the mayor who is two-faced as ever, 
We need to be stricter on these thugs. And at the same... He's basically just trying to work his base, you know, keep his vote there. He's, I want to be mayor for the next year. He's term. basically a politician. Most yeah. probably someone ever. And I feel like there's someone else I'm forgetting that's also very, very Mr. important. Mr. Blakely, I think, is his name, right? Is Mr. Motley. Blakely. Oh, Mr. Motley. Yes, Mr. Motley. The second-hand man to the mayor. Yes, and he... Oh, God. If so you he, think that the mayor is crooked and two-faced, this guy is even worse because he's facilitating the opium trade through my Ling, the leader of the Long Z. Yeah, they have an agreement. Yeah. Well... I don't know if they have an agreement now anymore, but they yeah. did before. Yeah. And that's still running. You also... What? Yeah. Um, Young Jun. Young Jun, who, again, is working with um, Assam to, you know, he's not good with this this pact between the Long Z and the Hopway, and so, you know, he's kind of rebelling against that, trying uh-huh. to find his way in the world. Um, Father June, who's yes. the, uh, the elder statesman, um, despite the fact that he runs the thing, he, he's kind of old school in a way, right? Yeah. Because Very. he keeps telling young June, you know, relax. I actually have been doing this for a while. You know, um, we're trying to, you know, the, 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 what's Hop, uh, not the hubway, the long Z. The long Z. You know, they think they have equal footing on us, but you know what? Now's not the time to strike. Let them get comfortable. Let them get complacent. When the time is right, that's when I'll do my thing. So he's he's a little bit more, uh, I, I don't want to say conniving. He's more... He um, knows how to do the long game. Right, exactly. Yeah. He's playing the long game where young june is kind of this impetuous young kid who said you know what screw that we shouldn't be giving them anything let's fight them let's kill them all let's do all that stuff right yeah Mm -hmm. so that's that's where season two is is going that's where it starts right how do you guys feel about season two so far season one was good in my opinion right it was amazing yep and this is doing very well so far also just seeing how all these different like you you saw how long it took us just to flesh out these characters and that's not even doing them justice when you see all of them interacting with each other it's like it's so awesome because you know it's just really awesome characterization and then in the setting they're in and how that pushes them this is really well done um to me, I know you guys. Corny. You guys can guess. Oh God! Corny. It's not corny. It's it's very slow. The start of the season, at least in my opinion, somewhat somewhat slow to get into the action. There, the, well, the very first episode was with a swordsman, who, by the way, okay, okay. is Atoy. <laughs> I know, but it's it's. I feel like they're building their characters more. They're just building the characters even more, which is, I don't know. I I think I I get what you're saying because especially towards the end of season one, it it was such a breakneck pace that they were on. Like there was fights and and, and stuff all the time. And I think with the start of season two, 
we're back to building the story and and finding out what what the big problem is with which it seems like it's going to be that third tongue you know they're really really screwing with the norm here um, yeah. especially in that second episode which we just saw right yeah well, so it's technically it isn't them right because they were used as like a <laughs> see the thing with the fung hai is that they have an agreement with the long z but oftentimes the fung hai are used as like this missile you just point it at someone and they'll just go off on them yeah i think the problem is mei ling utilized them in their fight against the hopway and i think she miscalculated how difficult it is to to keep them under control and keep them reined in because the leader is a guy where he just doesn't care and i don't think he respects her that much either but all in all i i it's not as good as the first season but yes like you said it's building the characters it's not as suspenseful and it's just that okay it's right. just that I would give it. Listen, but we're still two episodes episodes in the season. There's another eight episodes coming up, so there's a lot of stuff that can happen from now until the finale. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yes. Me. Me. Yeah, you. Yeah. So I I I happen to think that, again, I'm I'm enjoying Warrior for what it is, Um, and and like I said, season two. It is a little slow. I, I will grant you that. But you know what? I think I think the characters are so fascinating, right? They've done such a good job in the previous season season of letting us know who they are and fleshing out not only their characters but the story and just the setting itself, right? It it also it it there's very clear lines as to where people can go and people can't it's almost like there's a a line drawn in the sand where you know if you're chinese you can't cross that line and then if you're anybody else you can't go into chinatown and stuff because you know so i i happen to enjoy it i i'm looking forward to the rest of the season so um all right so that's cinemax's the warrior 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 and you know what makes this great? What is that? Just like in Warrior, we have characters that are haunted, <laughs> like the characters in The Haunting of Hill of Bly Manor. Oh, oh that, was, that was that smooth. was smooth. I will admit that. So tell us a little bit more about Netflix's Haunting of Bly Manor. So originally, season one, here's the way that this series is set up. So season one saw the events surrounding the haunting of Hill House, which was a separate story all on its own, but at its core was about the haunting at Hill House, ghosts and whatnot. Season two is still dealing with hauntings and whatnot, but this time at a different location which is in Bly London if I'm correct yes and it's also using the same cast or most of the same cast 
uh, different roles, not the same characters either, because you know this is Blind Manor. Yeah, they're Hill doing House. they're doing kind of what American Horror Story does is that every single season is going to be an anthology. The series is called an anthology, right? So every season is a different story, and what American Horror Story does is that they kind of recycle the actors and put them in different characters um, every season. So it seems like Mike Flanagan, who is the director and the creator of this show, is kind of doing the same thing. Hmm. And so we saw the first episode, and the first episode starts us off with, wow. There... (laughs) Like they, there was a little a little thing last season where it was like find the Casper or something like that where they oh, would have man. ghosts weaved into the background episode by episode. But Eli brought something to our attention that is even more interesting. Well, it's in the same line, but I think I'll let Eli elaborate on this one. Oh, okay, okay. Um, apparently, sport. It, just in case you're gonna watch it, um, here's a quick heads oh, up. Oh yeah, spoiler warning. This is spoilery. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Just the first episode. Yeah. Um, heads up. Not for the season. In case you wanna try and find them, which I doubt you will even get close to finding any of them. Well, some of them. There are twenty ghosts hidden throughout the entire first episode. And the first episode is like fifty minutes long. So that's almost a ghost every what? What do you say? Two minutes. Two minutes, not including the guy with. Spoiler. We'll, we'll get. We'll get into. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. We'll get into but that. the guy with the. We'll the, get into that. We'll get into that. The anime guy. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into that. Oh, <laughs> the anime the, well, guy. You see him at the very beginning of the thing, right? So technically, there are nine, nineteen ghosts that appear throughout the entire. Well, he shows wait, wait. up a couple of times though. Okay. Okay. Wait. And wait. We don't specifically know what his so deal is. When yeah. when I when I read the article, it included the first time you saw him, which is at the very beginning. At the very beginning. So, if anything, there would be about maybe. So let me twenty-three. Ask, let me sightings. ask you a question. The each sighting 24. is it a different ghost or is it like ghost recycled? You know what I'm saying? Well, the thing about the ghost sightings is it's really hard to tell what exact what They're what exactly shadows. the ghost looks like it might be the same yeah it's just like it's honestly too dark to even see him because it's in like dark corners mm-hmm. or it might be in the window but that's I a cool think, little game to play though yeah when, when you're when you're watching the episode but that that again spot the ghosts that again raises the question Where's why why but um i'm gonna point out two ghosts okay first we have the anime dude we have these are the main ghosts that we've seen so far call him the anime dude okay okay this is gonna explain that because i've seen a couple of memes but i need you to explain why he's the anime ghost meme review um, well, not mean reveal, but you, okay, it's a reference to PewDiePie, but um, we call him the anime guy because generally in animes, we have characters who have circly glasses 
But for some reason, whenever it's a, a dramatic moment, their uh, their glasses turn white because there's like a huge glimmer. So so that's that's generally why I call him the anime guy and why it's so it's there are memes about it because it looks yeah yeah um so we have that dude and apparently it's a really really important ghost in the story because we see him all we see you'll notice him like all throughout like four Four times times, four times Mm -hmm. yeah and generally if i it seems like it's attached to the one of the main the main character um Danny. Danny. So, it might be somebody from her past. I don't know. Um, we also have another ghost that was seen briefly, but it seems like it's an important ghost. Yeah, because he's the one that we see very, very clearly, right? Yeah. It's Well, it's a little bit dark, but you can see it has a beak. So, it looks kind of like a plague doctor. Yeah, it does. But otherwise, those are 20 ghosts. I mean, the... 24 ghost sightings. Okay. So what's the story about? Well, it follows this... Well, it opens up with there being a wedding. And at this wedding, one of the... One of the participants is telling a story who... It's not clear who exactly she is yet, but I have a feeling that no, that's not Danny. No, that can't be. Well, I have a theory. She's officially listed as the character's name, the storyteller. Okay. <laughs> so, there you go. Okay. All right, the storyteller. Anyway, and so I'm the sorry. storyteller is telling the story of Danny coming to work at the at Bly Manor because the. The guy who hires her explains that there are these two children, his niece and nephew. Their parents died not even in the house. It's still unclear right. when they died. No, no, not when they died, how they died. We, we don't know how sh- whether this guy is shady or not. Yeah. We're still mm-hmm. a little up in the air on that. So there's that. Um, but apparently... This ad has been out for six months, and no one's wanted to take it. Partly, in part because one of the people they did hire, her name was Miss Led... Rebecca. Rebecca, okay. We'll just call her Rebecca. That was her first name. Yeah. As she was taking care of the kids, she actually goes and kills herself. And so that kind of gives the area and Bly Manor in general some bad juju when it comes to like people drowned herself in a lake which is important because something that okay we're getting uh, to that yeah so remember though the uncle makes a point of stressing during the the interview about imagination superstitions and things of that nature right Mm -hmm. and and that's partly the reason why six months have passed because first of all the Bly Manor already has bad juju, right? People people are generally afraid of it. And then to have the caretaker of the kids kill herself just adds to that. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
And so Danny goes to work over there. And these two kids, they seem relatively fine at first. It's it's what what's the the thing that the girl says? Perfectly splendid. splendid. Perfectly splendid, right? <laughs> she met, she says that like how many times during that first episode? Yeah. It's like her word. Yeah. <laughs> like the doc. What, what was the doctor's word? I know he had a word for a little bit. The doctor. Um. Oh wait. The good great. Good great. House. I don't. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. For some reason, they keep saying the same thing, which is well. That's because good, great house. Well, yeah, it's kind of a literary thing. Yeah. But anyway, um, so you have the the, the niece. <laughs> she seems okay, except for a few odd instances where it's like, oh, you, know, like there's trauma there. Creepy girl though. Yeah, creepy. Yeah. Like, she has this whole doll collection, but there's this one that she insists has to stay, like, under a drawer in and, darkness. And that's, like, the only one that's, like, faceless. Yeah. Like, yeah. It kind of looks like a Slenderman, right? It with looks hair. like... With hair. It looks like the girl from The Grudge. With no face. With no face. So, like, the girl from The Ring. Well, she... The, the girl herself... Uh, Flora. Right? Yeah, Flora. Yeah. She's creepy as it is because, like, at one se- one second she'll be like super happy walking around saying "perfectly splendid," and then all of a sudden she'll be like, "No, you can't touch that. <laughs> no, that needs to stay where it is." You know, she's like really, really weird. Yeah. At least the her brother Miles is. He's not a peach. Yeah. He's not a peach, but he's not as creepy as as Flora is. But yeah, that. he's a like little he's bit. More, yeah. He's more level. Just because he's level doesn't mean no, no, no. he's I mean, creepy. But like, like Flora is like super creepy. Like she'll be like, like I said before, she'd be like, hey, and then uh, all of a sudden, you know, go back and forth and stuff. You know what I'm saying? But I think I find uh, what was it, Mike? Miles. Or Miles. Miles. I find him more unsettling because he's always that monotone. Oh. Um, can you do the, the, it's just the way he, he carries spider. himself. Yeah. Are you afraid of spiders? <laughs> can I interest you in holding the spider? <laughs> and Which Danny blows off, by the way. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah but Flora runs away like a yeah. bat out of hell. She's like, what? <laughs> yeah. You know? The, the case in point, these two kids are... Very traumatized. Yeah. Very traumatized. But and then you have the the other caretaker yeah. who never eats. Uh, Hannah Gross. Yeah, yeah. Miss Gross. Gross. Gross or Gross. Hannah. Yeah. And then, well, she's not particularly weird. It's just that it's a little she odd that. Eats. Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, the tea, you kind of get it. <laughs> it probably wasn't good. <laughs> Because Danny tried making tea, and even the kids were like, dude, this is not tea. <laughs> yeah, she's like full American, you know, in, in London. She drinks coffee. She doesn't have a handle on tea. And apparently she makes a horrible spot of tea. So, you know. Yeah. Not uh, good. The only normal kind of guy around here is... Um, Owen? Owen. Owen. The driver slash cook. 
Yeah, slash other ter- caretaker. And the kids seem fine around him, too. He's, like, probably, aside from Miss Gross, one of the only stable... Those two characters seem like the only two people that have actually stuck around. And you wonder why. Because <laughs> we just saw a movie that totally blew our minds, right? We saw... I, I don't, I, I don't want to... No, and, I don't want to revisit that. And that movie was... Really, really. I, I, listen, I would, I would recommend that movie if you guys want to watch a, a, a Korean horror movie. Now, mind you, it's not the easiest movie to follow. You're gonna have to spend at least a good two hours talking about it with your boys to try and figure out what's going on. But you, it makes you kind of wonder, right? It definitely does have the disturbing factor, though. Yeah. yeah. And Owen, he's about as close to normal, but he still has these weird little ticks, right? But like, like. Like there were, he there was he's he's during that first episode he makes these weird comments, like remember when mm-hmm. uh when he was like eat your food and then he went to go answer the phone and he he did a snide remark underneath his breath. Yeah, I yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I caught that too. Yeah, that. he's he's got this like weird tick and I mean, uh, yeah I thought I misheard that. Right, he he did he did say that. Yeah. Say what? He he I said something bad about like Danny or something. Yeah. He said he's not yeah. 100% normal. There's something going on. Yeah, he that. was, like, talking about, like, relax about Danny, and then he, like, said something about, like, maybe she like she can't relax or something. Or something like that. Oh, yeah. or as close as you can get to relaxing. Yeah, he's got this, he's got this passive aggressiveness that comes out, but... In, in a, but in I a don't way think that, that was directed towards him. Danny. I think that was yeah, more so, like... Hannah. No, for the kids. Oh, for the kids, right. But there's something there. There he's has not, to be something. He's not, they wouldn't highlight that by taking him out and having them answer the phone, which a phone call that apparently keeps getting made to Bly Manor, but nobody nobody says it. It's like a prank call. Nobody says anything. And I don't know if this is important, but his mom is sick. Right now. Sorry. It's okay. But his mom is sick, but... I mean, I get it might not be important, but, like, what what is she it's sick with? It might help. It's in its own way. Well, they'll probably elaborate on that. Yeah. Yeah. But what is important is that um, Flora likes leaving these little dolls all around the grounds. And it's like what Hannah said. It, they're like these protective charms. It looks a little bit like something from Supernatural and Witchcraft, right? Yeah, like voodoo dolls but you forgot one thing miles what about miles remember when he hands so basically when when danny is like oh yes when he first when when danny first arrive he gives danny something that belonged to their former caretaker and that doesn't say anything yeah and that sets uh flora off that was a weird scene, though, wasn't it? That yeah. that was clearly meant to be... Ins- it, he it was trying to, to instigate something. It belonged to Rebecca, I believe. Yeah, Rebecca. Yeah, but the whole scene was weird because she's in there being a bubble bath gremlin, right? That's what she called but, herself. Yeah. And she's talking to Danny, but every once in a while, she would like stare past Danny as if she was speaking to... Or somebody was speaking to her. Yeah, because while, like... While Danny was at. Danny kept on looking back and saying, "Is everything all right?" There, <laughs> you know, 
like there was a point like what she said was like you can't have that but then all of a sudden she looked straight past danny and then she was like oh never mind you can keep it yeah it was like something something there was was actually talking to her while she was talking to danny and then you know that presence or whatever you want to call it she was like "Eh, that's cool you could keep it well i can't tell if that was nice though nicer meant to be or something deeper like is the thing cursed is is she just being nice and well here's the thing i don't think that they were intentionally trying to curse her. I don't know about Miles, though. Uh, that guy is sus. Miles is weird Very because sus. of that scene, right? Yeah. That but other scene. Perhaps the weirdest thing that happened this episode, aside from a possible ghost sighting uh, from the dude that was the drug addict last season. The dude that was Oliver Jackson? Yeah. Yeah. Like, he was but on, he like, was the... He was there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was, was the there. guy on the... He was the guy on the... On the, the balcony. The balcony. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Aside from that, um, there was this really... Oh, wow. At, towards the very end of the episode, um, would you want uh, yeah. to say something? No, no, no. Never mind. Okay. So, towards the very end of the episode, um, there, uh, Danny's tucking them in for bed. And... <laughs> And she finds the the doll on the floor, the the really weird faceless one that's probably evil. <laughs> that's usually supposed to be underneath the dresser drawer. But it wasn't. It was like smack in the middle of the floor, and more then, so towards the the f- the footboard of mm-hmm. Flora's yeah. bed. She so like kicked she it was, over. But remember this: she was leaving Flora because she had already tucked Flora in, right? Yeah. Yeah. So she was underneath the covers. And she walks, and she, I guess she kicks the doll because she didn't know it was there. I think she steps on it. Yeah, actually. she steps yeah. on it. She picks it up, and she turns back, and what's up with Flora? She's just standing there. Like, it, it, like, that was, like, super weird, right? Well, no, I think she was still in the bed first. Yeah, but, but all, all, then... like, all of a sudden, it, it wasn't that long of a, of a of Yeah, a she, time, went right? to, she went to look at, like, Miles' room or something, and then yeah. when she looked back, Flora was there, like, out of the bed. Yeah, and just standing there with that weird look that she she's really good at giving. Yeah. Yeah. So Like a possessed look. So what happens is Danny's like, okay, I've clearly struck a nerve here. So she tries to give the little doll figurine back and puts it on the bed or something. Mm-hmm. And she says you could sleep with this one yeah. today. Yeah. And then Miles goes, and this is very deliberate because of what happens next. He goes, hey, can you get me something from that closet over there? I absolutely fan. needed to sleep. A fan. And she goes, oh, okay, sure. Uh, as long as you go to sleep, you know? And she goes in the closet. And both of them start walking over to the closet, and Danny was still very close to the door. And they go, well, we actually think it's further in there, if you could look over there. And then she goes and starts going over there. And then Miles takes it upon himself, and Flora doesn't stop him, which I'm assuming she's in on it at this point. Yeah, they both look at each other before Miles does it. Yeah. He goes and closes the door to the closet, and locks Danny in. There are two imposters among us. So there's something significant about that because in that closet was a mirror. Yeah, there was a mirror. And the mirror has been kind of a a through point for that first episode because going back to Anime Guy 
every time that Danny sees anime, sees guy. anime guy, it's a mirror to the point that at the hostel that she was living in before she got to Bly Manor, she had put sheets on every single mirror in her room. So now she's stuck in a house that she's not familiar with, locked up in a closet by two kids that, by most standards, I guess you would say, is kind, they're kind of creepy or disturbed, right? Yeah. With a mirror. And right she starts her. freaking out like a Big lot. Time. And it was a good, what, three, five minutes before they Something let her out like again? And she kept yeah. on, and it wasn't even the fact that they weren't there. She was saying, open the door, and they kept, they kept on saying, oh, we can't. Oh, the lock is missing. Oh, the, the key is missing. Oh, the lock is broken. All this stuff, when clearly, when they locked her in, the key was in the door. Yeah. And so she's banging on the door hysterical while these two kids are outside, God knows doing what. And, um, you know, she's pleading with them, open the door, open the door. And they're like hesitating to open the door. And they finally do, right? Well, I think it's not that they hesitated. I think they were trying to fix something. But Right, that's what I'm saying. God yeah. knows what they were doing on the other side of that door because they never showed them. They only showed Danny for those three to five minutes. Yeah. yeah. So they finally let her out, and Danny was obviously pissed. So they were like, sorry, we, we didn't we didn't know or something, <laughs> something like that. Some BS excuse. And they were like, all right, we'll go to bed now. And the very last scene of the episode shows that creepy faceless doll back where it belongs. Well, she goes outside. Well, okay, obviously, yeah. but the very last scene of the episode yeah. is the doll being where it belongs. So why did she go outside again? So yeah. right after that incident, she ends up being going outside of the manor, right? Is it, she, oh, I, it looked like the, she was trying to leave. No, no, no. Remember, no. she found the, the, the footprints on the floor? Oh, that was, yeah. yeah. So she walks out of their bedroom visibly shaken already right yeah and then she looks down and it's like muddy footprints right yeah muddy footprints and so she follows her and she she sees that the door is wide open and she ends up going out into the courtyard yeah to see what's going on and then you know when she turns back it's one of those like the kids are in the window looking down like in two separate windows yeah from their rooms like we're watching you yeah, it was just. It is. It is a, a creepy start to the show. Um, what? Do you, how do you compare it to Hill House, though? I think Hill House. Um, Hill House is very different because what happens with Hill House is that they have a family that's living in the house, and then because of some supernatural event slash someone dying in the family, they get split up and separated, and so they're off doing their own thing. But this one, um, in this, uh, The Haunting of Blind Manor, you're talking about, okay, well, there's obviously some tragedy that's happened, but it's not been... Like, they haven't... It doesn't show that they've abandoned the house at all. No. 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 And it doesn't seem like it was, it was an event that happened too far off. Right? Yeah, because 
the kids, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong, I think the kids still remember the parents, right? Yes, they do. And literally the, the thing that happened with the caretaker was within the six months prior to the, the where the show is. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, so um, you're not dealing with two different, because uh, what they did was in season one, Hill House, they were they were switching between time zones mm-hmm. or not time zones, you know, like different periods in time. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not having that this season, so well, at least not yet. Well, yeah, not yet. Yeah, because again, we've only seen the first episode, um, but yeah, like I think, and I think the difference, you know, it's it's funny because they're both dealing with trauma and they're both dealing with tragedy, right? But I think in the other one. Um, the first season of, of, well, I guess you want to call it first season, right? The Haunting series. Yeah. yeah. Um, you had adult kids that were, that separated from the trauma event, traumatic events that happened before, and they were brought back by the house, so to speak. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And this one, um, it seems like, well, you're dealing already with a different dynamic because you're dealing with young children, which the story taker... While when she started her story with the the people in the wedding, you know they they were telling basically ghost stories because I think the the couple yeah. was supposed to stay. Now was that? Let me ask you a question. Was that Bly Manor that they were in? I believe yeah. it was. Okay. They never really mentioned that it was, but they they mentioned how this place was scary and you know we wanted to be here. But even the bride to be was like, I don't want to stay here. And that's where all these ghost stories started. She saw the nun. Yeah, well, she saw, yeah. And then um, and then that's when the storyteller was like, you know, somebody mentioned, oh, well, it's a creepy story when you're dealing with a kid. And then she's like, well, what about a ghost story with two kids? <laughs> you know? So, you know, you're already different, dealing with a different dynamic because now it's adult children versus young children. And... It's not that the house is bringing them back because guess what? They're already there. Yeah. So we're actually seeing the events play kind of like in real time, you know. For the most part. Yeah. I honestly feel like Hill House was a lot more creepy. I agree with that. Because, like. Especially that first episode, right? Yeah. The first episode of Hill House was like, whoa, what are we seeing here? Yeah, one thing that really struck me about, like, the first episode, I believe, was when, like, one of the characters was like dancing with literally nobody and that that's it the was on right huh the mom? no it was like one of the daughters oh yeah and yeah. it it absolutely like struck me for no random reason other than that it was just weird and disturbing and but this 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 show this episode didn't really give me that that creepy vibe and it not not necessarily not necessarily to the point that Hill House um, gave off that vibe. It but almost feels more like a mystery than a than a horror series, right? Yes. Now, right? Yeah. Like I said, right now, because it's only one episode, but you know, there is a difference between that first season and how that started and this season, right? Yeah, and that's that's just honestly how I feel about the first episode. I can't wait for the second episode, which we might watch after. Yeah. But we were trying to we were trying to binge as much as possible, but there was just way too much stuff to do. So, yeah, you know. But it's it's not disturbing to the point that Hill House was. That's it. 
Yeah. For now. For now. Well, we'll, we'll revisit this, you know, once we get deeper into it, and then maybe we'll give it a full review at that time. Yeah. Yes. Right? I mean, you know, you have the girl and the boy, so I guess now what should we talk about? The boys, plural. <laughs> <laughs> the season finale of Prime Video's The Boys, season two. Um, <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> like, I don't even know how to start this, right? Like, how, what did you guys think of the finale? That was nuts. <laughs> That was very crazy, and some of our prophecies came to fruition. Very few of them, though. I said some, you not know. all. Some, not all. Yeah. Uh, it, but wow, that that was odd. <laughs> it was too much drama. It was so much drama. But that's what made it so good. I know. <laughs> I, it's just... I my mind is blown by that episode. That that episode was was crazy. But you know there were there were a couple of things that you know I I looked at and I was like mm, I wish I wish there was more. I don't I don't know if you agree with that. What do you mean if there was more? I wish there's a part of me that wishes that the season was longer. Yes, definitely. I, yeah. I think I think as crazy as the season, I actually think that. In some respects, this season was better than the first season. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll um, give you that. Definitely. But I think the shortness of the season... You just want more. I, and I think, yeah. I think some characters like, would have benefited with a longer season. Characters like Stormfront. Because... Well, she's not gone. Right, but, but you, know, you wonder if they're going to focus on her in season three. She's in a pretty, pretty bad place. And again... We don't necessarily know that she's not gone. No. Because so let's let's talk about the episode first. Yeah. You yes. Know, let, and let's, let's go into the episode. Why because it's so fresh. Spoiler warning. You, yes. Yeah. yeah. This is a spoiler warning. We are going to get into very very specific things about the season finale. So um, if you want, pause this episode. Pause this podcast. Go watch the episode and then come back and join us so that you you know we can all have a discussion on this. But that being said, AJ, give us the, give us that synopsis. Five, four, three, two, one. You've been warned. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> so this episode. So in the in the episode previous to the season finale. Homelander and Stormfront, in effect, kidnap Homelander's son from from his mother, Becca. They kind of use their little twisty finagling to get him to angry at her, and so that he's like, hey, "You know what? I'm gonna go with them." Yeah, he basically yeah. told her told them everything that was going on. Yeah, you know, he's been sheltered. in essence sheltered. Well, you can make the case he's been held captive without his knowledge, right? Yeah. yeah. You can. So you have that. Homelander and Stormfront were really trying to cultivate the superhero in him. Failing at it. And they also failed in the sense that 
the first time he's ever been introduced to society almost had a mental breakdown because hey you know what let's take this kid who's only ever seen one person maybe two people in his life and introduce him to a whole swath of people the planet hollywood uh fake planet vot (laughs) (laughs) i mean literally i i love how they they parody a lot of these real life locations and and a lot of the stuff when it comes to like the MCU and things like that yeah. they do it so well you know yeah so th- they basically just walk in they do a crowded restaurant and what honestly though what did they think was going to happen i think homelander wanted to show how you know look your dad he's there he's there look you think that so? kid yeah, I think I honestly do think so because I think, the whole I think he was so daft that he thought that he was just gonna walk in and they were gonna have a nice family lunch. Exactly, yeah. but you know? yeah, exactly. And also, he was trying to self ingratiate himself. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, we do see that in the episode, right? Oh, how how much of a of an egomaniac he is. Well, we've known that from from the start, but yeah. now, if there was any doubt, well, there's none. Well, that was never any. Yeah. So you had that. Then you also that had... That really bad, right? Because yeah, yeah. instead of them just sitting down... The kid has a mental breakdown. Because... There are so many freaking people... Freaking Homelander walks into a restaurant. You don't think he's going to be mobbed by like every single person there? Especially since the restaurant is called Planet, Planet Vaught. Vaught. So that means <laughs> they're there because they're fans of the Seven. Yeah. So, I mean, you know... But yeah, like you said, that goes horribly wrong because the kid just really Ryan goes crazy. Yeah. You know, he, he well, he doesn't go it. crazy in the sense that it's a manifestation of his powers. He just it was an uh, it was a sensory overload. He just Stormfront couldn't handle it. Stormfront was pissed. Stormfront when he walked out and yeah. left her. Oh yeah. She yeah. gave she him that little... look. She wasn't happy with him choosing Ryan over her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. So she was angry at that point, which will that'll show up later in the episode, but continue. Yeah, so you have that. Um, and then you also have Rebecca finally, or Rebecca, making her way to the boys because they were planning to just clean up shop, kill them all. With guns, which infuriates me because... Obviously. Well, there were some specially modified guns. Like they had one for Storm Sun, Storm Front, that could work in theory. Which all their weapons are practically in theory. Yeah, and but they never work. Well, I mean, except well, for that one time. Yeah. <laughs> the one time out of the five hundred times that they've tried. Yeah. You know. Um. So you have, Becca comes and, you know, he's like. Hey, let's get my son back. And Billy Butcher's like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. But even before that, Billy Butcher goes to no after that, right? Right. So after. he doesn't know of the kidnapping until Becca gets there. Yes. And then and and then you have the great interactions with Becca and the rest of the boys, right? <laughs> like she's like a celebrity when she walks in, especially when Frenchie is giving her like the ham sandwich. <laughs> He's just like in awe of her, you know, and then she's like, oh, Huey's like the best. We had a great conversation and and 
butcher is 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 giving her a kiss and they're all like looking at him. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like oh, it was like ah, oh, shut up, you sees. You know? I'm not gonna use the word because this is a family friendly uh, podcast, but you know what I mean. Yeah. But so he, he, so yeah. at that at that point, that's when butcher begins to concoct the plan to save Ryan, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. And, and well, exactly. So explain that, please. So his plan, quote unquote, to save, quote unquote, Ryan, quote unquote, <laughs> was to go to none other than Mr. Edgar, quote unquote, the big man himself, <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> and so <laughs> he basically tries to cut a deal with Mr. Edgar saying, hey, you know, we found out that Homelander has the kid. And I want to help you get the kid. And Mr. Edgar's like, oh, you know, this is actually pretty interesting. But why would I want to take the kid away from Homelander? And, you know, Butcher's like, well, do you really want him with Homelander? Seeing as he's like your contingency plan if Homelander becomes too unstable and whatnot. And Mr. Edgar, he humors him at that point. And he says, okay, so what do you have in mind? Well, I'm going to have my guys come and get the kid out. And Mr. Edgar's like, all right, well, that's all well and good. And he says, well, it's going to get even better because I'm going to give the kid to you. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Mr. Edgar's like, huh, really? Uh, what, what do you think the mom's going to say about that? And Billy Butcher is just like, yeah, we're, we're just not going to tell her about that. She's going to be left out of this, this, this equation. Yeah, he was like, yeah. you get Ryan, I, I get, get my him. wife yeah. back, you know? And then Mr. Edgar is like, you know, that they have a great conversation, right? Because they're talking about how Mr. Edgar is kind of like two-faced in the whole thing with when it comes to Vought and specifically when it comes to Stormfront. Yeah. Because Stormfront, um, and th- there's a side thing to that also. And did that happen before their, their yes, it did happen before their um, discussion. So there was a side, a side mission while Butcher was going and getting this plan. Oh, to bring back. Uh, okay. There's a. There was mm-hmm. another plan that um, Starlight and Huey concocted. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Super important to the conversation that Butcher and Edgar has, right? Yes, definitely. So maybe we should talk about that first. So. Um of not Billy. Why was I about to say Billy? Huey and Starlight were going what, they were just trying to find some information to right, take Vault down? Because I think what they were planning on doing was hit oh no, they actually did. Their backup plan, their first plan got screwed because originally they were going to have Lamplighter testify. That didn't go well because he barbecued himself. Yeah. Yeah. The other plan was to have Vogelbaum testify. Uh, he got that went <laughs> that went bad when his head got popped along with a whole bunch of other people in Congress, you know? So the third plan was to get Queen Maeve involved because yes. they've already they already Queen Maeve already had um kind of like a a coming to Jesus moment, <laughs> I guess, right? When she helped uh, Starlight against Black Noir. Yeah. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. And and she realizes how her relationship with Homelander and everything is has nasal. cost her, and it cost her relationship with Elena. Yeah. Mm. So now Queen Maeve is in a really bad place because she's destroyed. You know, she 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 lost Elena, who's the love of her life, um, and she realizes that basically. Why am I a hero in the first place? Because no matter what I do, and no matter what anybody does, this world is screwed. Right? Mm -hmm. So that was the intent of Huey and Starlight. They were going to go and appeal to Queen Maeve to see if she would testify. And they failed. Yeah, that didn't go over well. But interestingly enough... Something you uh, as they were leaving, <laughs> and they driving. were driving too. They were driving. <laughs> then you have freaking <laughs> A train, like just appear out of nowhere in the back, like sup guys, and they're just like, oh my god. And then it'll crash, right? <laughs> yeah. And he's actually there to give them something, and he gives them uh, Stormfront's entire dossier, including her ties to the Nazi party. But where does he get it from? He gets it from the Church Collective. collective of Church the, of the Collective. The Church of the Collective. Mm-hmm. Oh. Which will, again, show up later in the episode. Yes. And so now they have their their Hail Mary missile launcher of justice. Yep. Immediately following that, or somewhere along the lines following that, you have an interaction. But they bring it to Butcher. Oh, yes, they bring it to Butcher. And then uh, Starlight uploads it to the internet. Yes, it's complete and full leak. And then C? (laughs) (laughs) C! The CNN version in... in, In the boys, NNC. NNC, yeah. So they pick it up, and now... Stormfront, everybody knows that not only she's a Nazi, but she was she goes back to the time of Gables and Hitler and Goebbels. Mary Goebbels and Hitler and married under the third the, the Nazi symbol and all that stuff. And so she's surprisingly pissed. Well, yeah, because right. now that because, you know, she's obviously the hero, but now she can't exactly keep doing her whole white supremacy bit. If the Nazi, the Nazi stigma and all that is involved, because it kind of like everyone clearly does not like Nazis, except so, for the Nazis. Yes, the neo Nazis nowadays. Yeah, but now that there are other people who know about that, like sure, probably the base doesn't really care. Exactly. But now there are a lot of people out there who know and really do care. I, I just found it a little bit funny that she was so upset about it because, you know, basically her character the entire the entire season up until that point really didn't give a crap, you know, like she's she was basically doing what she did, and it it wasn't well, a big thing for her. So well, I sure think that was, but now but I, this complicates what she does. Right, because n- the original plan at the very beginning of the episode after the head-popping session of Congress, yeah. right, was that the president was going to authorize the use of Compound V to all of law enforcement and military. Yes. And because of the Stormfront controversy, that was now rescinded and pulled back. 
So maybe that's, I guess that's the reason, uh, another reason why she was super upset, right? Yes. Okay. So and Butcher so gets it. Butcher gets it. And then you have the interaction between Edgar and, what's his name? The guy who runs the Church of the Collective. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I forgot what his name is. Hold on. I'll find out for you. But anyway. In the meantime. So he's having a sit-down with Edgar. They've clearly put a lot of investment in both the Deep and A-Train, who want to get back in the Seven. And so he's meeting with Edgar to bring them in. More so the Deep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, more so the Deep. Which... (laughs) Continue. You'll you'll see what happens. So Edgar is like, all right, we have we can do one guy for a redemptive arc. We're, we're open to this, but both of them, I'm sorry, you just you can't do it. Yeah, what what is the the phrase that they he says? One one is redemption, two is weakness. Yes. And so you know they have this whole bit where well why can't you take A train too? And uh, Edgar's like well I can't because you know Stormfront. And he basically alleges to the fact that she is an overt racist. <laughs> And so the guy is like, yeah, well, you know what? I think we can work with this. The deep can, well, the deep will have his due. And that was it. And that was when he got the call that Butcher wanted to meet. And then you had that whole scene unravel. Which, again, the Stormfront history comes back. And, and that's, that's why I said the conversation that he has is, is both interesting and eye-opening because... Again, um, Mr. Edgar being a, bl- a black man, right? Um, and Stormfront being the overt racist that she is, yeah. you know? Um, even Butcher puts that out to him. It was like, you know, doesn't that bother you that you have, you have Stormfront as a racist, as a Nazi, you know, and she's representing, you know, and you've known about this. It's not... It's it's not even the thing that where you just found out about it through the uh, through NNC reporting, you know, uh, you've known about this, and so doesn't that bother you? And he says, well, you know, basically what counts here, yes, it bothers me, but the way that I fight back is through the bottom line, you know, that I'm here to make a buck, you know, to and. So it's a very interesting conversation that both him and Butcher have about that, you know. When's it ever not been about yeah. business? And, and, and again, using Stormfront to drum up the propaganda to get Compound V more accessible and more out there, which, of course, will impact their bottom line. So, yeah. you know a character who's willing to sacrifice his morals for a buck, so to speak. Yes. And so we cut over to uh, Homelander and Stormfront at, like, this secluded cabin in God knows where. And, you know, they're trying to get uh, Ryan to use his powers. They fail. Stormfront tries to feed him her problematic propaganda, and she's almost successful. But then you have 
um, <coughs> what ends up happening is the boys have already drummed up this plan to, you know, get Homelander out of there. And when the news broke that Stormfront was a Nazi, she was like, ah, crap, I got to get behind this. I'll, I'll be back or something. And she flies off. Yes. And so when that happens, the boys are like, okay, we got to do this. Go, 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 go. And what they do is they rig up this, like, sonic bomb, which is meant to incapacitate Supers. Homelander. Yeah, Supes, because, you know, he has the enhanced hearing. Mm-hmm. And so he goes out and he tries to find it, you know. This is hurting my son, and this is honestly annoying to me. I got to put an end to this. And that's when Butcher and, and Becca come in, and they're like, all right, come on, kid, let's go. And, you know, the kid's happy to see the mom. He misses the mom. He's made that a point throughout the first half of the episode. Yep. And they're so close to winning. Isn't it frustrating whenever a character saves another character, they spend at least a good two minutes hugging it out instead of it just is. getting oh getting out of dodge and, and just, you know, hug it out later. I, I, you know, whenever that happens, especially lately, because it happens more often than not, we were all like screaming at the TV. Yes. Get out of the cabin. <laughs> you can you can say your hellos or whatever afterwards. Get out of the cabin. Homelander could be there in like two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And so here's where things go awry. So Butcher, what he was supposed to do, awry. what Butcher was supposed to do is he was supposed to call the Vought guys to trace his phone. So here's the kit. What he does is he leaves the phone at the cabin, and they arrive at the cabin. But by that time, Homelander's done fixing the Sonic situation. And the kid is gone. And they're there. And so he's like, where's the kid? What are you doing here? And they're like, um, uh, well, um, you know, just stuttering scared moment. Lasers the crap out of the first guy. He tears them apart. But now we're going to cut over to the the boys' little hideout. You know, where they're going to switch cars and they're going to help Becca and the kid go underground. Yeah, the hangar. Yes. Billy confesses to, you know, you guys got to go. And Becca's like, no, you have to come with us too. And then he's like, well, you know, I almost screwed up. I don't want that screwed upness being near that kid. And she's like, well, you know, you did the right thing in the end. You got to come with us. And it's like, no, you have to go. I need to do this. You got to go. We need to make sure you two are safe. Mm-hmm. Raise the kid so that he doesn't become like Homelander. At which the very next second Stormfront shows up. Well, Mom, they, were, has, yeah. they were driving away. Mother, yeah, well, mother's, okay. Yeah, Mother's Milk was tasked with getting uh, both Becca and Ryan to Mallory. Yes. And so they are driving away, but they don't get that far because, like you said, Stormfront shows up. Stormfront shows up. And blasts blasts the car. Oh, boy. Yeah. And so that that is a thing that happens. But you know what? Something good comes out of that. Because now we get a superhero smackdown. And, you know, because it's not only the boys that are there. Kimiko's there. Starlight is there. And they just start fighting. Yeah. And, you know, they do kind of okay. They're on the ropes a bit. Stormfront's obviously more 
you know, she'll go stronger in some sense. And, you know, she's winning. It looks like she kills Kimiko, snaps her neck, and then she's about to go after uh, Starlight. And then, out of nowhere, thank God she showed up, yeah. Queen Maeve stepped in to save the day. <laughs> and all three of them beat the ever-living bleep out of Stormfront. And by God, it was so gratifying. <laughs> and, and the thing about it is that... Um, at that point, Mother's Milk told Butcher, you know, get Becca and Ryan out of here. We'll take care of it. And the boys did try to fight. But again, it didn't do anything. You, you bring a, pre, a pea shooter to a, a, a rocket launcher fight, right? It, it doesn't work. And even the one weapon that they had to use against Stormfront, like you said. They didn't even use it. I don't they think. say, dude. The, what was it? An RPG or something like that? Yeah, they yelled. They yelled out a thing. They start running for the hangar, and she blows up the hangar. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> why so, would, I don't know why they. I think yeah. they should have known a little better than to say, "Hey, get the hell Mary out of the trunk over there." Exactly. You know. <laughs> it's like which, really blows up the whole ma- the hell Mary. So what ends up happening is that the girls take care of Stormfront. For the boys, <laughs> and they and they even mention it, right? Because while they're having their epic showdown and their epic blow blow by blow, um, you've got who's there? That was Frenchie, Frenchie Huey, Huey, and, and Mother's Milk. Mother's Milk. Mm, oh yeah, at that point. And they're just staring at him. It was like, boy, the girls can't throw down. <laughs> you know? So they beat the crap out of Stormfront, but. She escapes. Yep. She she realizes that maybe she can handle Kimiko and Starlight, but Queen Maeve is is a very seasoned fighter. Yeah. yeah. And the tides turn very quickly, and I love they they do that WWE stomp down. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, but then she, like I said, she she realizes that it's a, it's a losing battle, and she gets out of dodge. But she goes to a very specific place, which is probably the most important part of the whole entire episode, right? She catches up with Butcher, Becca, and Ryan. Butcher obviously isn't able to do much of anything. He gets knocked off to the side. She Stormfront starts killing Becca. And, you know, Becca... She does something. She does more than any of them were able to do all day, barring that the girls. That is true. Yeah, right. Yeah. And she blinds or half blinds Stormfront, and this pisses her off even more. Yeah, she She's sticks like, a, yeah, a, knife a knife right into her eye. Yeah. That eye is probably not gonna get better anytime soon. No. no. You know. No way. And so, at that point, Stormfront's like, you know what? I'm gonna give you the Vader treatment, and starts choking her. Yeah, about to kill her. And Ryan's there. He's seeing all this. He's like, "Mom, I want to help." And then you know, Butcher is just wailing on Stormfront, trying to do something, but he obviously still a can't do car anything. Jack, a car jack, a car, a tire hey, I, iron, right? He yeah. tried using like a crowbar. Then yeah, he started yeah. trying to shoot her. Obviously, that's not doing anything. She's not even flinching. No. Yeah. And it got to the point where. 
Brian manifests his powers for the first time in the form of an eye laser, but I'd rather call it the smite laser because, by God, does Stormfront get her crap wrecked? You know, when we were watching that scene, and I don't think I've, I've told you this, that reminded me of Supernatural in a big way. You know what I'm talking about with Jack. Oh, Jack yes. And the mom. Exactly. That's, that's that, another thing. When yeah. I was watching that scene, that was the first thing that I... And I, I meant to tell you, and I forgot. That was the first thing that popped into my mind. It was like, we're going to have a Jack moment here, you know, in Supernatural. Yeah. Which ends up happening because she gets all anakin on Mustafar, right? Yeah, she doesn't have any... See, at least Anakin had one arm. She didn't have any arms or any legs, and Anakin didn't have any legs either, but at least Anakin still had the other eye, too. But she didn't even have that. So she yeah. went four for four. Anakin went three for four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we just, like, we have that gut-punching moment um, where Butcher, he's getting up, and he's like, Wait, what about Stormfront? Oh, Stormfront's a piece of bacon. Wait, what about Becca? Becca is bleeding out from the neck. So if I can interject really quickly, and I'm going to find it really, really, really fast. But um, uh, when Stormfront was lying on the floor, she was speaking in German. Yeah. And there... You know, I was looking online and I did find out what she was saying. She was speaking in German and it was almost as if um, when uh, when I'm sorry, it was almost as if when she was speaking, she was so out of it. And yeah. I guess at the threshold of what, you know, of death store and whatnot, that the German stuff that she was speaking if, if you think about it, makes no sense, right? But if you think that she's dying, it does make sense because the stuff that she was saying was flashing back to when her early days, when she was still married. So one of the things that she said was, it was so beautiful how the three of us sat there in the shade of an apple tree. Do you remember the day Frederick, speaking about Frederick, Vaughan, Frederick Vaughan. her husband, Chloe's arms out of the car window, which is her daughter. Yeah. Right? That she lost. We found the perfect spot by the river in the shade of the apple tree. It was the first time Chloe ate fresh apples. And then she said something else afterwards um, where she said, was so happy. It was wonderful. I never wanted it to end. I wanted it to never end. So, you know, clearly she was having... I guess what you want to call um, when your whole the life phenomenon, yeah, having yeah, when her you're... laugh, her life flash before her, yeah, and so you know, AJ had mentioned it earlier whether there was a question of whether she was dead or she was alive because shortly afterwards there was a news conference where you know Homefront had to yeah. kind of denounce Stormfront, Homelander had to denounce Stormfront. Stormfront. And they mentioned that they didn't mention that she was fried or you know they didn't they just mentioned that uh, she would get the she justice was captured yeah she was captured and that they would Held serve justice yeah and serve justice so I don't know do you do you think that she's alive that's that's kind of hard because 
then again, you you have your arms, your your arms, your legs, you're fried, you have one eye freaking cut. So it's like kind of if iffy cuz you don't really know if she can survive that if cuz that's not something you generally survive. And she was rambling at the end. Yeah. You know, like like literally she's having her life flash before her. She thought I guess in that moment that she was with Frederick Vac but talking to him about Chloe being at that park in the apple tree, you know. I think that like be I but I honestly think that like the part where they say she's being held captive, I think that's that's just a lie for yeah, just for to, just, just to cover it up. Because the the other thing is where does where was where would Stormfront go from here? Yeah, like, Mecha like, Frieza. Yeah, I know, but you know <laughs> her story's kind of been told, and her purpose in the season is kind of there. You know, where what would her storyline be going forward? Is she going after Ryan? I mean, no. you know, is 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 she gonna go after Starlight for kind of outing her? Uh, you know, again. Like where where does what is the purpose of bringing Stormfront back in season three? There there really is no purpose considering season four is like a nuclear warhead. (laughs) Maybe I guess, but yeah, but there there really is no purpose because she served her purpose of like I I'm I'm thinking that her purpose was to sort of fuel um, Homelander's rage for. Just for the world. Just manipulate just, him. Yeah, just to manipulate you know. him and manipulate kind of world. kind yeah. of guide his anger and direct it to uh, the 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 world. Control the world. him. Control him. And I I think that that was the main reason why 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 Homelander why she was she was killed off. If she was killed off. If she we was killed we off. We still don't know. She probably was. again. We I don't, don't have a so. dead body. We and Mecha Frieza would be a little bit corny. I know, but again, if, if you're going to go for an apt explanation. So going back to the scene in the forest where home, I mean, uh, Stormfront is basically Anakin. And then yes. there's one last bit of it. Oh, yes, of scene. course. So Butcher, you know, he's crying over Becca. He just gotten her back and now she's gone. She ends up dying, and the implication here is yes, <laughs> called it sadly. The implication here is that you know, the blasts. Uh, I don't even. Wouldn't here's the thing though. Wouldn't her wound have been cauterized? I, I so that, what I think I happened. What, what I probably think happened there was that yeah, that what yeah. the hand, you know, she was like. Ugh. Yeah, so Stormfront was choking her, and so what AJ is referring to is that maybe when she got blasted, her ch- her hold was so great that it maybe ripped a hole into her throat because yeah. she didn't get... Especially as she was burning alive. That's yeah, she, did, she didn't burn. She bled to death yeah. because she had a wound in her neck. You know what? This is going to sound weird, but I'm pretty sure that this might be reasonable. Maybe you know how when sometimes when I'm pretty sure this is how it works when you're when you have a grip on you're touching something and it starts to he, it starts to heat up really fast it sort of like I know I don't know it's a hole it, it would like get attached to it or somehow 
I don't now, know if that's how it works. Considering that it was almost Stormfront's like, uh, arms were atomized. Yeah, that's true. Her, oh yeah. That's not there. So I guess the only thing would be that she ripped a she ripped a, a hole in her neck and as she was she, getting roasted. Yeah, exactly. Like she got thrown back and yeah. it's just one of those you know yeah. things whatever. Right? It, it weird but whatever. We'll we'll go with it. And Butcher looks like he's about to kill this kid. <laughs> Which he does in the comic books. Oh. Uh, so that was a callback and and so a lot of fans when they were probably watching that episode, they were like, okay, Ryan's buying it at this point, you know? But then... He doesn't do it. Because Homelander shows up. Right. Because, right, most likely, he would have killed the heck out of that kid. Oh, yeah. Because the look on his face, which, again, you know, uh, Carl Urban, who has been fantastic in these two two seasons yeah. that was a great moment for him because he went from pure desperation and and, rate and 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 just being distraught to that and then it changed in an instant when he looked at the kid and you could see the rage in his face right yeah. that was an excellent acting performance there by yeah. Carl Urban so but then yes. Homelander shows up mm-hmm yeah. Drowned in the blood of all the, <laughs> those soldiers. Like, his blonde hair wasn't blonde anymore. It was red. Yeah. Um, and so what ends up happening here is Homelander, I, I was honestly, well, I was honestly thinking that Homelander would actually be in awe. Like, wow, my son did that? That's awesome, but no, he actually surprised me. He was actually angry that Stormfront was dead. I think he had really genuine feelings from Stormfront. Yeah, yeah. I really, really do think, because remember, what's Homelander's gig all this whole time? He wants to be loved. Yeah, he's always alone. Yeah. He finally found a quote-unquote soulmate that... I mean, that was very similar. They were very similar. Goddess to complete the god. They were happy killing off people. It was like, like, let's go kill some people. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So he had a soulmate there, and and now he's alone again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I I think it, it was interesting to see that Homelander has the capability to have feelings, right? Yeah. To to love someone. Now, it's a messed up kind of love, yeah. right? But at least, you know, he was so overwhelmed with that. He was ready to laser the crap. There was two people there that wanted to kill Ryan. Yeah. You know, that kid was not in a good place at that point. But then, so Homelander gets there and he says, oh, wow. Um, and he goes, oh, wow. Um, kid, did you do that? And Ryan's just frozen there. Yeah, he's, he's just crying. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Again, just like Jack from Supernatural. Yeah. Right? yeah. And then, you know, he keeps going. Get over here. Get over here. And he, he actually goes towards Billy Butcher. And Billy Butcher also looks surprised by this. He's like, huh? Why is yeah, he coming like, towards me? You don't, you don't even know who I am, kid. Yeah. Like, literally... The cabin was, I think, the first time that he's ever met Ryan. He's never met him before. Yeah. Not yeah. No. Yeah, because Ryan says, "Who the heck is this guy?" You know. Mm-hmm. 
And what surprises me here is that what's his name? Billy was actually getting ready to defend Ryan, even though that was going to be the most uphill fight he would ever have fought. That wouldn't have been a fight. That would have been. No, it wouldn't. It'd be a massacre. Been, yeah. For both of them. Well, the, o- the only saving grace would be that if Homelander wanted to really make him suffer, it would have been a slow death. Yeah. But it was going to be a death no matter what. But it wasn't a death because, yet again, we are saved by our own personal savior, Queen Maeve. And she basically pulls up the, the whole airliner incident where someone footage them like... If you don't get back, I'm going to laser you right now thing. And Homelander's like, all right, you're really going to do this? If you do that, I'm going to roast the planet alive. And there will be no one to stop me. But then Queen Maeve kind of... Yeah. Yeah. And then she figures out, or rather, you know, it finally like, well, you know what? Maybe there is a way I can spin this. And she goes... Well, if you do that, then there'll be no one left to love you. There'll be no one left to look up to you. And if I release this, there'll be no one left to look up to you or love you. They will see you for the monster you are. And I love the way that they did that because at that point, you see, you hear in Homelander's mind the chance of Homelander, Homelander, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I guess that's the realization where I was like, okay. Maybe this is not such a good idea. You know, and she, you win this fight. Yeah. And so he actually stands down, surprisingly. And that was it for that confrontation. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so at the very end, you have uh, Billy giving the kid over to Mallory. Um, you know, I was half seeing... No. All right. Maybe it was a little bit of a stretch, but I saw maybe he would take the kid under his wing. But now that I look back on it, he just killed his wife. And he didn't really have much of an inclination towards him to begin with. Yeah, he... But what he ended up... type either. Yeah. But it was nice to see that he showed some vestige of kindness towards him when he gave Becca's necklace to him. Yeah. Yeah, so that was nice. And then you know, off to Mallory. The boys go their separate ways. They're pardoned, according to Mallory. Everyone goes home. M.M. goes home. Um, Frenchie and Kimiko go off on their dancing spree. (laughs) Um, Starlight is now part of the Seven again, along with... Oh, we'll get to... You know what? I'm not even going to do that. Hold on a second. There's still one little thing. Yeah, there's still a few little things. Two little things. And... Yeah, so that's that's the lay of the landscape so far. Starlight's back in the seven. The boys go home. We don't know what's going on with Bully Butcher. He kind of just goes off into the sunset. We don't know. We don't have an idea as to what he's going to do. But he was offered a job. Yeah, he was yeah. offered a job. So um, Mallory is now creating a underground, off-the-books soup uh, Well, technically it was course. on the books. I, yeah, I, well, she said no. I don't think it's completely on the books. I no, think, it's. I think I think it's it's, it's going to be sanctioned by the government, right? But they're they're going to be like the secret 
yeah. secret thing. So yeah, they're on the books, but not quite on the books. Yeah, they're like a, a shadow organization to watch over the soups. Yeah, the soup task force yes. as it is. Yeah. And so that brings us to the next thing. We have a meeting with the Church of the Collective. Ah, my gosh. And so the leader of the organization is like, well, I have some news for you, fellas. He's talking with A-Train and The Deep. And, you know, The Deep is like, oh, so you got us back in? Nice! Because he tells them we were able to get someone back in. And they were like, nice! Who'd you bring in? And then the guy was like, well, here's the thing. Before I even address that, A-Train, we know about that file you stole. We didn't really like that. But you know what that did show us? That you had initiative. You had drive. So you know what? Since one is redemption and two is weakness, we've decided to give A-Trade the spot back on the seven. <laughs> and the Jeep gets completely shafted again. Once again. <laughs> it's, it's almost pathetic how, how badly they, they treat the Deep. But <laughs> And I love how the Deep was ready to throw him a train under the bus. He said, "Screw him! I didn't know. I don't know him." <laughs> but then, when he said he chose initiative, he was like, "Yeah, he's the greatest thing of all time." <laughs> so, um, poor. And he's like, "Wait, what? He's poor going deep. back in? The deal was my deal." <laughs> poor deep. You know. But and then you know the. Yeah, and so A train is like, "Woo! I'm out. See you later." Bleeps <laughs> and he just speeds out. <laughs> And then the Deep effectively, you know, he raises a stink about this. And then the leader of the collective says, you know what? Like the Archer dude, you're mm -hmm. a toxic personality. Get out. <laughs> Screw Fresca. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was the Deep's last remark of this season. And then we rest on the very final thing. The one question that has been burning on our minds. Who has been popping heads the entire season? Head popper. Head popper. And so the collective guy, he gets on a call. And he's like, okay, so is my next meeting ready? Awesome. Send them in. <laughs> well, she, he was actually said, having a conversation with them on the phone. Um, yeah. How things were going, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. He was talking with... Um, Councilwoman. Council. Councilwoman, surprisingly, Newman, mm -hmm. they'd been in cahoots. Uh, I forget what exactly they were in cahoots about. What, what yeah, was I, there? I don't think they, they really fleshed it out. I don't remember, to be honest. But yes. they're, they're, they were working in tandem. And I think part of it could have been to, I think the whole part is, is to kind of bring down Vought, but in a very... Inside... Inside, from the inside way. Yeah, and, and so... Cool. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, he had the conversation, and then, like you said, popping heads, kids, popping heads. And that's when We see her realized. right outside the office, on the street. And she has, like, an eye thing. It's misty. And at yeah. that point, it is clear. She is... This is the hero name, or the villain name. Popper. <laughs> Trademarked. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Calm, calm down. 
So the and it's interesting because her character is actually in the comic books, but if I remember correctly, and she he is a he is a congressman, but he doesn't have powers, and he definitely doesn't pop heads, and he's not as strong a character in the comics. But you know, we get to the end of the episode, and the one person that we don't know what's what's who. What they're going to do is Huey, and it turns out he walks into her office, Councilman Newman's office, and says, says, give me a job. Give me a job. And he gets a job. And that's how we end season Season two two. Um, of The Boys. I I thought season two was a hell of a a ride. Um, Like I said, I wish it was a little bit longer because then we could have gotten a little bit more out of Stormfront. I think she's gone way too soon. Um, She did do what she was supposed to do. Um, I think the whole story behind the family was kind of rushed and shortened a little bit. I would have liked to have seen that play out a little bit more. But again, these are minor little nitpicks that I have, you know. and the other thing is that season two now brings us into season three where now the boys are going to be working with the government to take down the soups, which that's where the comic book starts them in. So it took two seasons to get also to you where... you had a preacher. Yeah, you basically had a preacher thing where uh, for Preacher season one, it was a prequel to the actual comic book starting in season two. <laughs> In the boys, it's it taken two, two seasons. Yeah, it took two full seasons <laughs> to get to where the comic books are, where the boys are actually working for the government to take down the soups. But so. you know what? It was worth it. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. I think I think it was I think it was really fun. It was a fun ride. Um, season two, Eli. What did what did you think about season two? I felt that the story was so awesome. Um, it felt good to get, it, it almost felt like revenge the entire episode. Like, I, I felt so satisfied when I heard the meeting with Homelander, um, talking about how Maeve was like, how he brought back Starlight and Maeve and how Maeve helped. Oh, yes. I'm so sorry. I glazed over that. Yeah. So you, you want to talk about that? Um, so basically, um, Edgar, he's talking about how uh, Stormfront was part of the Nazis and stuff. And so he hands it over to Homelander, who comes to the, comes to the uh, stand and he's podium. podium and he's like, he, he in, in a nutshell, he basically says, oh, uh, Stormfront wasn't a good person at all. She deserves this. And we're w- now welcoming welcoming Starlight back into the Seven because all of those were lies about how she was a terrorist and whatever. And then he also says that Maeve, thank you to Maeve for actually helping in bringing down Stormfront. And then he just, it's it just becomes, you can't even hear what he says. And it's just like Because he's a so stare. blindingly angry. Yeah. He's Clearly. left... I think why he's so angry is because he's never felt powerless like this before. Yeah, he's As clearly off the reservation. always had his power to be proud of, in this very moment, 
he was the most powerless he had ever been in his entire life, barring growing up. And and the thing about it is that these two seasons have been building to that because at the beginning he was kind of a lacking towards um, towards Vought. You know, he I mean he still did his thing, but he was still the corporate guy, right? And and as season one continued, and especially with the interactions with Madeline, you know, he increasingly became the guy that says, you know what, you guys really should be working for me. I shouldn't be working for you, you know? And so he was getting to that point where he was finally getting control of the situation. And then Stormfront comes along and even pushes him even more. And he's, he's feeling at that point that he's in control of everything. And now all that stuff has been ripped away. You know, now yeah. Maeve has him under control. Stormfront's been taken away from him. You know, he's got to stand up there and lie and become the Vought Lackey again. He is clearly unhinged going into season three. Yeah. He is going to be a, probably about even more dangerous than he's ever been. Yeah. And so. I... I feel, yeah, like you said, it kind of, like, opens up a lot of different paths. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do. Well, we know Winchester's coming next season. Yeah. All right, so we're, we're going to wrap this episode off. Um, this has been a long episode, but we got into a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, again, we went through uh, Warrior. We talked about... The Haunting of Bly Manor, and we finished off with a pretty, pretty in-depth look at the season finale of Boys Season 2. Um, so we're going to wrap this up just by saying thank you for listening in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And again, if you love Get Geek, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and tell all your friends. And until next time, later, people. Stay geeky. Stay geeky. Stay geeky. Stay geeky. Sup to PewDiePie. No, don't. Don't. Yeah, PewDiePie don't. is awesome. Floor gang. <laughs>